Welcome to the Six Hats podcast, where I, Dr. Shami, a lifestyle and nutritional medicine family doctor, will talk about how women strive to find balance each day by juggling their six roles, being a woman, mother, daughter, partner, business owner, and professional. everyone welcome back to the six hats podcast and i'm really excited to have sarah denham join us today now she founded improve your public speaking in 2009 to help people with their speaking presentation and influencing skills now i can't wait to hear more about her story and here's a short intro into her background so she originally was a classical pianist and lost her nerve early in her career and so she was learning how to speak in public and this was her way back on stage And since then, she's worked with thousands of clients through her Speakers Confluence programs to help them in every speaking situation from presentations, meetings, or conversations. So welcome, Sarah. Oh, hi, Shami. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm very excited to be here. And so, Sarah, the reason why I invited you is because as we all know, and I'm sure my audience knows, public speaking is one of the top three reasons we feel anxious and it's so funny we're recording this podcast today because I do have a presentation this afternoon and I was just thinking oh my god this the feelings don't ever go away no matter how many times you've done this and obviously you know presenting on zoom is different to in person and over the last couple of years, you know, been out of touch presenting in person. So I was just laughing to myself. I probably need your tips today just to get back on stage. Yes. I really also wanted to share that, you know, your course has made a massive difference to me. And I wanted to share with the audience that we all can learn the new skills. We can all present. It's all about training and you know, really learning what we can do differently. Because I went out of practice and in my line of work, I was just speaking in a small room with one patient for years and years and years. And I realized I wasn't looking after my voice and I just lost confidence in speaking in a crowd. And so all these crazy stories would appear in my head when I was given the opportunity and would just cause a lot of anxiety and hence why I did your course. So I want to say anyone can speak publicly. We're not born as you know with a natural talent we all have to learn what are your thoughts on that Sarah I have a lot of thoughts and there is a lot in that Shami yes look one of the things is that some people are nervous a lot of people are very nervous about speaking and it's a vulnerable activity there are a lot of moving parts that happen as we know and I talk to clients often about the fact that we go from being a private person often sitting down as a private person and we're communicating and we do that without thinking about it But as soon as we become the public person, which often involves standing up or a sense of being spotlit, that is the movement from private to public persona. And we feel like we are being watched. That's when our system can go into a bit of shock and suddenly we're on. And I relate that to you thinking when you just said you you were in a room with one person, you know, you'd have one patient for years and years. And that was, that's almost like it's a private space, isn't it? And suddenly you're public. And some people don't like being looked at. Introverts in particular tend to struggle, not always, but sometimes with actually having lots of pairs of eyes on them. I know I did. Public speaking is vulnerable partly because we know that we are being judged and When people say to me, oh, don't worry, people aren't really judging you, we know that's not true, don't we? Because we know that when we watch speakers up there, we are judging them, hopefully kindly, but there are things that get in the way. So it's a vulnerable activity and we know that we can be seen. And I think that's one reason why people struggle. 
But secondary to your point about the fact that sometimes people are not even nervous, they just can improve their skills. And I do want to say this because I meet a lot of people who are very confident speakers. And sometimes they would say to me, like, they would never dream of being my client, right? So I might meet them at an event or something or socially and I'll say, oh, I love public speaking. Uh, you know, I'm really good at it. I can just get up and, and speak. And maybe they can and maybe they're amazing and all power to them if they are. But sometimes those people, because they're so confident, they don't always connect in the right ways for the right audience at the right time. And they may not structure, so it may go a bit all over the place. And they may be really enthusiastic about their content. But I always say, and this is my final thought before I stop talking, that good public speaking, it's about your audience. And it's not really about you. You're the conduit. And yes, you're, you matter. Of course you matter. But if we can see public speaking and I know this is something that's out there. Obviously, people know it, but it's remembering it in that moment. It's about the audience. And if we can truly connect with that, even if we're nervous, it can absolutely help us that we're all part of common humanity here. And we've all got struggles. And even people who have high power over you, that's going to trigger you because we're wired. But it's still, they are human beings. Such wise words, Sarah, and you've explained it so beautifully. You've sort of divided it into, yeah, the nervousness of actually doing it. And you're right, because when you think about it, being judged, it triggers that fight or flight response. And we do not like it. So it's such a natural, almost in our DNA to trigger that fight or flight response. So it's so normal to feel nervous. Absolutely. And I'm laughing about your second point, how some presenters are really confident. I remember my colleague, he was presenting and I go, how do you do it? Don't even prepare sometimes. So you just go on stage, you've got all these slides from all your other presentations and you just go through it. And it's really interesting you say that because when I saw his presentation, I go, ah, oh, you could have prepared a bit more or, you know, created a bit more structure and fine tuned it. But you're right. Sometimes confidence can take over and, and it's that fine tuning of engagement. And you've made a, such a good point. It is about the audience. So often you see people present and they spend the first 10 minutes just speaking about themselves. Okay. <laughs> and I go, I really don't care about your childhood here. I want to know, I don't care what school you went to. I just want to know what this topic is about. And it's so true. It's so true. Yeah, it's like, what's in it for me as an audience member? That's really what we care about. So it, it's like the so what lens. It's like, yeah, this is great. But really, so what? Make it about me. Absolutely. Yeah. But Sarah, I'd love to go back to your story because I think it's a very inspiring story. How did you get into public speaking? Because I know it wasn't something that you thought about as a young, you know, as when you were young, it, you sort of grew into it it's something that you fell into would that be right it would really because I hated being the center of attention at school for example I would not put my hand up in class and I used to blush and struggle with that and then when I went to music college it's highly competitive and very stressful I was in the UK I went to the Royal Northern College in Manchester and I did my master's and the whole thing was just too much for me. There was a lot going on and a lot of stress and I couldn't actually cope with it. So I was going to lose my career. And the way back was learning how to speak in public because I couldn't face being looked at. I hated that spotlight. I was unable to think coherently while I was being watched. And 
I swallowed all the time. I gulped. I didn't look people in the eye. It was a mess. So I thought, right, these two things are going on. I'm struggling with being on stage performing as a pianist. And I also can't speak in public. So let's let's go away from the music aspect and let's try something different and go to the speaking in public. So I started really small. I went to a small class that was supportive, a bit like the things that I do now with a lot of people with my public courses. And then I went, I realized I thought, yeah, I have got things to say and there is capacity for me to do this. And it was practice and it was a process. And I now do it for a living. And I tell people that, honestly, at my skills, I was on the carpet. I was incapable. And if I can do it and now make a very good living out of it, anyone can do it. And as you said at the start of your introduction, it's we're not born with it. I mean, yes, some people are born with greater trait sensitivity and they are more alert to the audience and what they think the audience is thinking about them, which may not always be true. But we're someone like me, I'm very alert to the audience and I'm sensitive to that. But it's not, it's not innate. All these skills can be learned. They are skills. It's not a blob of either fear or whatever's going on for you. It can all be teased apart into different aspects that can then be focused on with great clarity. And a lot of the work I do is clarity. Thank you, Sarah. That's so inspiring because it sort of inspires people to say, actually, you can do it from wherever you are at this moment. And just to share a few things which you've said so well, and I think I took away from your course as well, you have something important to share. And it is not about you being watched and judged. It's actually you've got something important to share that can transform someone's life, make someone think differently. So even like for today's talk, I was saying, actually, they need to know this. They need to know this because they can share it with their clients. And that means you can be helping more people. And that's what was driving me, how I presented the talk or designed the presentation. And it's such key messages of what's your story and why do you need to share it? What's the importance of it? And often we think public speaking is you know, they're judging you as a person, but not what you need to say. So it's really such good advice, Sarah, really good advice. So when you're, you've trained so many people, I'd love for you to share, you know, what are the common mistakes that you see, like what you say in the confident speakers, but what are the common mistakes? And if you could share like three techniques with our audience that they can actually start using in order to become a better speaker. Yeah, absolutely. So the first one, actually, we've already touched on it, but the one I'm thinking of is when you open your talk or presentation or whatever you're doing, you make it about them. You vocalize that. And obviously, your style will be different depending on whether you're doing a keynote or whether you're doing a business presentation. But just as you said, Shami, so many people start and say it's a company, they may go, oh, you know, here are all our staff, here are our amazing people, we've been in business for 40 years, and nobody cares. And even if you have to do that, you don't do it first. I always say I have a, a grid of the way that people can present and the order in which we do it. And you always start with something that's about them. So today you're here to learn more about what matters to you around public speaking skills. That could be one example. And I also prefer if we think about pronouns, I'm a big fan of thinking about what pronoun are you actually going to start with? You know, what's coming out of your mouth? Is it going to be I? Is it going to be you or we? And the difference is subtle, but it's actually profound. So if I say I'm going to talk to you about this and this is my view and this is, you know, I'm showing authority, which can be really important. But I'm also doing something that's very commonly used, which is I'm going to talk about, I'm going to tell you about this. 
And I always prefer, if possible, to flip it to you. Today, you're going to hear more about or learn this idea that's going to help you. And we, you can also use we if you want to be on a level, same level as them and be inclusive. So it's being deliberate about your pronouns and it's opening with something that they want to hear. You know, you're in the room today because you want to know how to speak more effectively or how to have better health or how to reduce your stress levels. And today I'm going to make sure that you get what you need. You've come for that and I'm going to give you three ways or whatever to do that. I love that. So you do that and then you can go into your intro. Yeah, if you need to, yeah. So you start with them. (laughs) Excellent, excellent. That's my first one. The second one is making sure that when we speak, we differentiate between what I call universal truth or my truth. And I'll explain what I mean by this, Shami. You may already have some idea, but what I consider to be my truth would be when people say things like, now, I know we can all agree on this. And I immediately go into alert because I'm going, oh, let's see whether I do agree with this. I turn on the radio and people are going, oh, thank God it's Friday. You know, you're looking forward to your weekend off. And I'm going, hang on. No, I work on the weekend. I love my work and I love working on Saturdays. A lot of people work. Why is this five-day week concept of, oh, hump day Wednesday? This is, yes, you think it's universal, but actually it isn't. And very few things are a universal truth. So when people say, I know we all agree on this, or we all think in this particular way, I go, oh, be careful of that, because you can alienate an audience member immediately if you get that wrong. Because you make an assumption about what everyone in the room is feeling or thinking and clumping them as a group experience rather than as an individual, they can easily be put offside by that. It's like, well, no, actually, I don't agree with, I don't agree with you. No, I'm not thinking that. And you're telling me that I am? Okay, maybe I'm not going to follow what you say now. So it's awareness about that. You know, am I just spouting my personal truth and making it universal? Or is it actually uh, common to all of us? That's a really good point, Sarah, because if if they go, well, I don't agree with you, they would tend to switch off and be distracted and even pick up their phones because that's what people do, right? Yes, it's so endemic nowadays is the the fact that people do, if they're not engaged within the first few minutes or even the first minute or two, they will actually look at their phone. And I've been talking to clients recently about this and they say, well, what do we do if that happens? If, you know, if I'm speaking at a conference or I'm doing something where I am in more of a public forum where I don't have control over it and I can't tell people to put their phone away, for example. One tip I have around that is to say, look, give me, I know everyone's busy. I know it's hard to focus, perhaps give me five minutes, give me the first two, you choose two two minutes of your time today or the first five minutes. Let me make it worthwhile for you. And if it's worthwhile, stick with me and keep your phone away. But if you're bored in the first five minutes, then obviously get your phone out, no problem. Now, that does take a lot of guts and you've got to be confident <laughs> that what you're doing is therefore going to be engaging. But you can actually, you can what I call, call it, you can address potential resistance, which is another one of my tips, that if people have resistance about the topic or being there, anything to do with that, don't plow on and ignore it. That's so good. Such good tips. Such good tips, Sarah. And you're about to go on to your third tip. Oh, yes. I was going to say, make sure if you're a nervous speaker that you do what's called, I got this from Meg Wheatley, who's a US leadership consultant. She's been around a very long time. She's written a lot of books and she has a book, I think, called Turning Towards Each Other. 
And in the book, she talks about the fact that we've only got two options when we communicate either to a group or to an individual. We can choose to turn towards them or we can turn away from them. And the thing that really struck me was that she said in her book, she said, there is no neutral. There's no neutral. She said, in that moment, you watch someone coming down the corridor towards you or you step up into that room, into that meeting space or that conference hall and you make a choice and it's normally subconscious. We don't know we're doing it, but you make a choice whether you go, right, I'm going to engage with you. I'm with you. I'm, I've turned towards you or I want to shut down because I'm afraid or I don't want to be here. And then you'll turn away metaphorically and sometimes literally because, you know, people get obsessed with their own slides. I used to do this in my very early days. I would just be turning around looking at my slide all the time with my back to people when I was in a room. And we turn away and it's saying, yeah, I don't want to be with you. So that deliberate intentionality when we step out there before we speak is to say, yeah, I'm engaging with you. Wow. There's no neutral. And if you think about it, Shami, I I reckon you'd agree with me. I'm just thinking about all the speakers that I've seen, and you're absolutely right. Because even though they're a fantastic speaker, they're calm, they collect, they're confident, they've been speaking for years. And I just recall one in particular, and beautiful slides, but she was looking at her slides majority of the presentation and occasionally glancing at the audience and I actually felt disconnected I really felt I was actually trying to figure out how do I engage with you because I just felt really disconnected so you've got a really good point there really good point yeah and a final point I'd make about that because you just mentioned disconnection is if you can imagine me holding up a triangle right now I talk about the triangle of disconnection if we're disconnected from our audience or ourselves, which means we're not breathing or grounding or able to think clearly, or we're disconnected from our content or our topic, we're going to struggle to be a good speaker. And we may be very nervous. So those three areas of disconnection can get in our way. Wow. And that can be a useful process for people to think, you know, is it audience? Is it myself? Is it my content? So true. And I can relate to that because I know if I know my content so well and I'm passionate about it, it's so easy. But if I don't, then I've got my script out and I'm jumbling about and going from page to page. And it is so much harder. You know, you're absolutely right, Sarah. And so in your journey, was there any particular story that you can remember that someone just transformed their skills? It was just a few techniques that just helped them transform it. And that's all they needed to do to gain their confidence. Mm-hmm. I know you've helped so many people. Yes. Oh, gosh. Yes. There are some interesting ones. But one that does come to mind is someone who was in biotech and he loathed public speaking, and but he had to do it. And he was becoming, he was advancing in his career. And as many of my clients say, I have everything really well under control control except I can't speak well in public it's the only thing getting in my way and it's stopping me progressing in my career and doing what I want to do and nothing I did with this guy was working (laughs) he was really he was very shut down and you know emanating off him was the I just I don't want to be here I don't want to be doing this and I totally get it and then I gave him this one technique and it, it really works well for some people and it's the acting as if technique which is similar to fake it if till you make it but it's not quite the same there are some there are variations to it but it was model one of the things I gave him was imagine you know I gave him various ways to model what he was doing but model yourself on someone else and just put on a different persona for a moment and just step up and see how that works and he stood up and he was transformed it was unbelievable like we were in a small group and everyone just went wow what's happening 
And he was a different person. And he said, oh, he said, I just put on this persona of my boss, who's a really good speaker. I just channeled him. I modeled myself yeah. on him and it worked for him. And it really, cha- and he was therefore in the future able to use that. And then over time, gradually, of course, he became authentically himself. And it wasn't, he wasn't himself. He wasn't being his boss, but he was using the energy and the mannerisms and the gestures and all of those things and the vocal style of his boss. That's amazing. What a great story. And, it and did he enjoy it? Yeah, did it allowed him to separate. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, then- it's like there's a hidden actor inside us all of wanting to, you know, just pretend to be someone else. <laughs> yeah, there is, because we do have different personalities within us and we don't use them very often. But within you, if you're listening today, is already a very good speaker. And it's a question of tapping into that. And then obviously you need the skills to back it up, but the capacity to be a good speaker is within you. And I'm living proof of that because I'm the last person, anyone looking at me through my student life or 20s or 30s or school days would ever have said I'd be able to lead a group or lead a room or speak in front of over a thousand people. It completely can be done. Yeah. So Sarah, before we let you go, I'd love to know, how do you look after your stress levels? I meditate. I learned, uh, look, if I didn't meditate, I would be in deep trouble. Uh, That's the main thing I use. I learned TM, so Transcendental Meditation, in my 20s when I was really struggling as a student. And I've not always done it, but I've meditated now for 30 years, most, most of the time consistently. I am an introvert. I do get overwhelmed by lots of people and lots of work and lots of busyness. And it's like wiping a slate clean for me, the meditation. It's just so, so important. I try and remember to breathe as well, separate to in my daily life. I try and remember to keep breathing because especially when I'm on a screen or I'm excited about something, or indeed if I'm nervous, I lock up my breathing as nearly all of us do. And I try and get out and I walk, I do yoga. Those are the main things. Get out in nature. Amazing, amazing. I can relate to meditation. Oh, I need it every day just to balance, just allow the day to flow. And it it is transformative. It takes a while to learn a technique that suits you. It's quite personalized, but the audience, you've got to keep going and done quite a few podcasts on meditation. So please do listen. But Sarah, thank you so much. You have Wow, shared so many incredible skills and I'm sure people are going to get so inspired to learn more. So where can people find you? Hey, yes. So my website is improveyourpublicspeaking.com.au. So it's quite a fingerful to type. (laughs) But when I started my business, it was great for Google SEO in 2009. So yeah, improveyourpublicspeaking.com.au. And also, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm mainly on LinkedIn. I don't use uh, in, any, in any major way the other platforms. So LinkedIn, you would look me up under my personal name. So Sarah Denham for that. And you'd find me. Fantastic. And what can people expect? You know, are they sort of like courses online? There yeah, are, one-to-one. Yeah, there are two levels. Yeah, one-to-one. There's a lot of different options for one-to-one coaching. And from one session up to six and beyond if you want it. Uh, There are two levels of public course, which I run in Melbourne live in a room. And there's also I'm planning next year to do an online course as well. I have online self-study courses, a couple of them, one on mind blanks and one on how to be a confident speaker. But that's purely self-study. So I'm planning to do one online next year as well, which is, uh, you know, live on Zoom. 
Amazing. Thank you so much, Sarah. And before we finally finish, any last few wise words for our audience? Oh, look, if you know your content and you're enthusiastic, just as you've said, Shami, if you're enthusiastic, that is the bridge to everything. It's a bridge to confidence for you. It's a bridge to engagement from your audience. If you, I'll leave you with three things. Yeah, if you know your content, you're enthusiastic about it, and you remember that we are all fundamentally common humans having a human experience and we all have struggles, even if people are hiding them, then you can go out and do anything. You really can. You can share anything. And it's about sharing what matters to your audience. Amazing. Thank you so much, Sarah. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me, Shami. I love being on. Remember that this is general advice only. Please see your healthcare professional for more information. So what's your take-home message today? Remember, it's all about progress and not perfection. And are you suffering from stress? Visit Usawa Learning Hub on usawa.com.au and sign up for the six-week challenge on how to reduce stress today. Enjoy the journey.